0: Hello book lovers. You're listening to Both Sides Book Club with Katie and Debbie
1: Allen. Every 2 weeks we get together and chat about a different book. We can't promise you that we will always agree, but then there are at least two sides to every story.
0: Why don't you read with us and join in the conversation? Let's go.
1: Hi everyone and welcome back to Both Sides Book Club. You're with Katie and, and Debbie. And Debbie? And as always, we are discussing books because we love them and our book club is epic. <laughs> it's very epic. It's practically the most epic. <laughs> um, so today we are discussing our first book for April, um, The Family Doctor by Deborah Oswald. And this is an amazing thriller which is full of really, really Complex. complex themes. Um, before we jump into this episode and discuss more of this book with you we would like to bring awareness that this book does deal with a lot of domestic violence issues so if this book um, causes any distress or brings up any issues for you or for a family member we have put links down below in our show notes for you to be able to reach out to some help or to be able to pass some help on to a friend. Other
0: Okay, so um, for those of you that haven't yet read the book, or if you need just a little refresher, um, if you've read the book, you won't need a refresher. <laughs> it will be nope. firmly in, your, in firmly, your brain. firmly in your brain, bl-
1: brain, bl- bl- brain, and
0: brain even. Um, so it's a story. It's a story largely about friendship. So it's the story really of a friendship between three women. Paula, Stacy and Anita. Stacy is has problems with her marriage and she leaves her husband and goes to stay with Paula. Um, the husband catches up to Stacy and Paula comes home one day to find that Stacy and her two children have been murdered. And the husband, Matt, is still there and he turns a shotgun on himself. From there, I guess, the grief that Paula and Anita both feel spirals. And we get to a scenario where Paula, who's a GP, um, meets other women who she thinks are similarly vulnerable. and she has to make some decisions whether she is going to try and do something about it.
1: Mm. So the book kind of deals with some big topics: domestic violence, um, being one of them, and another one being um, murder. Murder, and also how far would it, you go? Would you go, and would you cross a Line. line. So really, really fascinating. Um, We are so, so lucky because we have Deborah Oswald, who I'm a little bit fangirling over because she was one of the original writers for Offspring. She was the original writer writer for Offspring. So I'm a little bit fangirling and a little bit excited to speak to her about this, Um, but also to be able to hear a little bit more of her perspective about how to unpack such huge, huge, huge themes. So just in a moment, we will tune in and chat to Deborah. Hey Deborah, how are you going? Hi Deborah, hi Katie and Jevi. Welcome Thank to the Club. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Deborah, and congratulations on an amazing book. We um,
2: oh, I'm we, so glad you like it. Yeah, Great. we loved it.
1: We loved it. It, loved yeah. it. it was um, it's really good. Our audience loves a thriller, even though I would say your book's not. It's almost a thriller. It's kind. Of, it's a thriller esque. I think it's got elements of a thriller, but also not. I would say. Yeah. Um, and our audience. Oh, sorry. Go, go. Oh, well,
2: I was going to say, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think thriller has come to mean a puzzle or a mystery. Yeah. yeah but actually, thrillers. I'm so old. I remember the time when thrillers meant anything that was kind of suspenseful. Yes. And, and 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 where there was a sort of driving plot with danger and so forth. And so I I would say that I think this book is a thriller. yeah, In the sense that. You, there's suspense and, and and you want to keep reading to find out what's going to happen. But it, but it's not a thriller because it's a puzzle or there are, tw- there are sort of Christ. reveals and mysteries to be solved. that have to be solved. I think oh, people yeah. have come to assume that's what a thriller is. but Yeah. That's a, I reckon that's a relatively recent thing.
1: That's a I, really good point. I think, yeah, you've you kind know, of caught me anyway. in my tracks. No, that's a really good point. And I think it's also probably partly because of all the Netflix series and all these things that we have that like... Yeah. It kind of like stereotypes what a thriller should be, and like a. But you know, if you're looking back at say like Alfred Hitchcock, the filmmaker back in the day. His 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 was classified as a thriller, but there was never really anything that gory or like. um,
2: It was was suggestive. It
1: it was suggestive, and it was suspense. So I think you're right.
2: I think I think the thing that's really. I mean, it's partly being very old, so I've seen things come and go. Deborah, that,
1: Deborah, you're not,
2: you're not that old, believe me. You're really. Well, you're I just mean, really I've, I've seen.
0: <laughs> you're I very similar age to I've me. Seen a a ways. Way <laughs> 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 I'm seen not different I'm like just,
2: I think I think the thing that's new. When I say new, I mean the last ten years, maybe, yeah. in, in books and, and as and you're right, very much so in television, is not so much goriness as the puzzle element. Yeah. But now in television it's very difficult to get a show up where there isn't a big mystery to be solved. And, yeah. And you've got that kind of pattern of an episode starts with something and then we go back in time and find out how we got there. Correct. And yeah. And, and often it depends on holding information behind your back from the audience in a way that can be good but can also be a bit of a cheat.
0: Yeah. Like
2: to me, I just get characters I care about, I put them in jeopardy. I put them under pressure. Yeah. So that you want to find out what happens to them. So, I suppose what I'm saying is, if people are expecting a puzzle or a mystery, they would be disappointed with this yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. But if they just want to go on a kind of oh, my god kind of yeah. thriller journey, yeah, but I hope I've done that. Yeah.
0: But um, but if you but if you're talking um, you know uh, fiction again, the literature. I mean, um, all of those um, novelists that that. Um, that were originally published, you know, in um, in the papers like Dickens, for example. Um, you know, a lot of his books were they first appeared um, as a serialisation in in the Times or the newspaper. So, so that was basically where kind of like the cliffhanger ending, um, you know, came from. Is that every episode? You know, no. had to have something that kept you wanting, a, an element of suspense or interest, or or something that needed to be followed up in in the mm. in the next one. And I guess I mean, yeah, I mean, te- television and and um, I mean, not not so much novels. I think generally, although some t- some some authors write in that way, but it is. I mean, we do have that expectation, don't we? That something has actually got to draw us into mm. into the next episode.
2: I think there's nothing wrong. I mean, I've, mm. my, I think the best writing at all levels and kinds of writing mm. should draw you in. I mean, I love the idea of feeling, I mean, and maybe that comes from, well, I was going to say maybe it comes from television where you've got to have a hook so that people will watch the next episode. Yeah. But but that's my policy when when it comes to writing a stage play, that you don't want people to... Drift off, but yes. I'm saying that I don't think that has to depend on a puzzle, yeah. It can right. depend on sort of forward momentum what's going to happen next, not oh, now we understand the mystery in the past. Totally,
1: totally, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. It's a, it's yes, a different kind of yes. momentum, yes. yeah. Okay, well. Congratulations yes, on a sorry. beautiful book. Your thriller is amazing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, if I derailed the site the beginning. <laughs> and it was a pleasure to read. So thank you very much for writing right. such thank an you. awesome book. Um, and also your Aussie, which is even better, which we love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, uh, this, 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 this girl here is the original offspring binge, oh, yes. binge watcher. <laughs> like, you know, she yes, That's so... It's a particular thrill to talk to you. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, so, can you can you actually just tell us? You know, it's a big, big, big domestic violence is a huge subject to tackle in a novel. Um And you know yeah, that that opening scene, and and there won't be any spoilers because obviously you know the, the it's set. I think it's so, okay to describe
2: the opening. I think it's okay to describe the opening scene because yeah, it is the first. Yeah, moment.
0: because because obviously you know, um Paulie, your main character, comes home and um, you know finds the bodies of her friend Stacy and her children, and the estranged husband, Matt. You know shoots shoots himself with a gun. So that's a pretty huge opening for a novel. Where did that whole idea of, of a novel that dealt with de- domestic abuse come from, Deborah?
2: Alone in in feeling that you open the paper or you turn on the radio and you hear yet another case, yet another woman killed and often children too. And, and I mean, I think this has been, I mean, it's in the news very much at the moment, but I think it's something that, that many of us have been agonising about for years and years and, and, and that feeling of another one, another one, and what is going on and why is the system not rescuing people from this and and, and sort of jumping in before disaster happens. So I found myself very sad but also very angry. Um, but I didn't know how I would write about that without it being kind of exploitative or, or, or just too awful to bear. But then mm. I thought, I thought about welding my anger to other things that I think are really strong and beautiful, which is the, the desire to protect people and the friendship between women. So I thought, yes. if I put those two together, um, I might have a story. So, and, and I'm, not, it, my sister is a GP. So that got me thinking about what it would be like to be a GP looking after little children and, women who come into your surgery and if you know they're in danger and your job as a GP, your sort of mindset is I've got to protect people from harm and and make sure that they're they're safe, how that, if if I then take a GP and put her under enormous emotional pressure after the opening that you described, the woman who walks in is is a GP, so that she's going back to work in that traumatised state so that when a woman walks in who's clearly in danger... It's going to churn in her mind, you know, at a whole other level. So that's where the idea came from in the first place.
1: I feel like, and that fiction does this beautiful role of being able to allow us. I mean, we've often spoken about it with other books. We've done books about um, all sorts of things, like domestic slavery and lots of different things. And I think fiction does this beautiful thing of being able to illuminate problems, but also allowing our brains to explore what it could look like or how it could be or create empathy within a situation that you probably wouldn't be able to do it in in another way. I think when you hear these stories about domestic violence or, you know, um, I mean, particularly what's going on in the news at the moment, and you're hearing all these statistics, it's very easy just to look at it as statistics and to get frustrated of like, it's happening again. How can we like systematically fix this? So I just wanted yes. to know: is is that something that you wanted to explore when you were writing a fiction, like a, a sort of a what if element or a yes, how, yeah?
2: Could you I think it? that's. Good. I think you've expressed that so well. I think look, all fiction can do that great thing of you inhabit the flesh of characters. So any any sort of any sort of issue is going to be. Encased in in the, the flesh and the nuance and the and the detail of particular humans, which makes it more interesting and less like a sort of list of statistics and points. Mm. And in this story in particular, I had the chance to play that kind of what if, what if we just kill some of those guys before they had a chance to hurt anybody? I mean, I mean, that kind of I mean, I talk about the book as being a transgressive daydream because it's like, that thought you somehow have, have sometimes of, what if you could just get into that house before he shot them and yeah. shoot him first? Yes. Um, and I mean, of course, I'm not endorsing murder. I let me, please be clear about that. But but given the emotional state, I put Paula in. I I felt like sort of I could then take the reader on a journey of what if we just did that? What would it feel like? Mm. And I think there is a kind of little moment of satisfaction of. Yeah, that might feel quite good.
1: Mm.
2: Even though in the end you would think, well, obviously in reality it's morally wrong, mm. it wouldn't work, it's dangerous. But in fiction you can kind of explore something like that and see what happens.
1: Mm. Did you find it yeah. a delicate line to balance between? Because I think even I'm trying to explain, think about how to talk, ask you this question. And I'm catching myself going, oh, how do I word what I'm trying to say? Because I think on one element, on one side of it, is often without sounding. Um, uh, this is where it gets difficult. We often have these thoughts of like, oh, well, I just, oh, you know, what if, what if this happened? Or imagine if we could just do that. Um, and you know, you, and you allow your brain to go there for a little split second. But obviously, there's a very fine line then between. With Paula, and she actually acts on that. Does cross the line. It does cross the line. So did you did you have to kind of be careful when you were writing that to make it very clear that 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 was a fictional exploration that you weren't kind of yes. yeah.
2: Look, look again. I think that's a really good point, and it was something that I wrestled with all along the line. And I think there'll be people who won't like that element of the book, and and that's okay. Like no, you can't please everyone. Um, uh, it was very important to me that Paula is in a very particular situation. You know, there's a kind of perfect storm of her unresolved grief about her husband, yeah. the trauma of her um, finding those her friends dead, the guilt she feels about the fact that she didn't protect them, um, and then a sequence of events that I won't go into without spoiling the story that kind of ratchet up the pressure on her mm. so that when that man walks into her surgery... Hmm. She's um, off kilter, hmm. and she's a good person. Normally, a very sensible, good totally. person. Who, in an absolute moment of pressure, that I, that she crosses the line. So I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't expect anybody to to think that what she does is the correct thing. But I hope people understand why she does it. Yeah.
0: Totally. And the
2: other thing to answer that question is that because the other main character is her best friend Anita who is, there was a trio of friends, Paula the doctor, um, Stacey the woman who's been killed and Anita who's a court journalist Um, and the three of them were close friends and and now Anita and Paula are kind of dealing with their grief about their friend together. Anita is kind of more like our point of view on the world. Anita is much more sort of impulsive and more likely to blurt out angry things and say, let's kill them all. But in practice would never do it. Totally. Mm-hmm. In practice is much more um, um judgmental about what Paula does once she works yes. it out. So I think I, I think Anita is is us in the sense that she understands why Paula's done it. She's horrified that Paula's done it. Um you know, that, that sort of churn of emotions is 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 us. But I hope that in the moments when Paula does what she does, we're also with her and thinking. It's yeah, yeah, imagine that.
0: And I, and I, I, that was one of the things that I found so interesting, um, about the book is that whilst, yes, you're, you're, you're horrified and you know that what Paula has, has done is wrong, um, you do, you do have that sense of, yes, I mean, why not? Um, so do you think that and that actually got it's me, not, is sort of way
2: to express the desperation that yeah. things are so bad yes to a woman who understands the system this seems like the only solution mm.
0: so. Um, yeah uh, so what i was going to ask you Deborah because i've i've been thinking about this myself i mean do you think that that we are all actually capable of of committing murder should Oh, that's, that's a big question. No, no, I mean, I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting. <laughs> <to laughs> no, right. no, I mean, I mean, given, given, as you're saying, that perfect storm. You know, that set of completely series of, of, of circumstances and and incidents that will turn you or I or any perfectly rational. Rational person to the stage where the where you could go. Well, yes, I'm I'm going to do it. What What do you think?
2: I I, I agree. I mean i I mean I've never written. I, I I've written lots of things where I kill people. I, you know, in all my years, I've killed lots of people. But um, I mean, in sorry, in fiction, <laughs> I never <don't know. laughs> I never thought about, I would about that murder because no. I'm not interested in psychopaths. And I'm not interested in people who kill out of greed. Just doesn't. I mean, I mean, I quite like watching shows like that, but I would never want to write it because I don't think I could imagine myself into it well enough. Mm-hmm. But Completely. this one is one where I think I can imagine killing someone in that scenario. and I mean, I don't have than me.
0: No, I mean, I felt like that too. I agree with you absolutely. I mean, I love you know, I love watching um, all this Nordic noir and and you know. Um, and things where where people get murdered, but I think, but I think it is more like the puzzle solving that I that I enjoy rather than than the the killing the killing side of it. So no, I could never, oh, I could never have imagined myself taking that step and doing it. But 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 after reading the book, I think, well, well, maybe maybe if I was. In that in that circumstance, then I would be very very tempted to mm. to cross the line. So maybe all of us actually inherently, you know, have.
2: I mean, I mean, Paula. I think at one point when she's trying to justify what she's done, argues that if you walked into a room and a woman was in danger and you could just pick up a stick and hit her attacker over the head, you would do it. So she and, and no one would question that you'd done the right thing. So mm. Paula's just arguing. It's, it's a, it's a, sometimes it's a matter of timing. Mm. When it's very clear to you that this woman is going to be killed, do you have, if you have the chance to step in beforehand? I mean, again, I hate to do it. I'm not, I'm it's not saying that this is the right that, decision, mm. but mm. that's the kind of, that's the kind of thought process. Mm. Um, I mean, she's not Dexter. She's not a psychopath and she's not also interested in revenge. She's only interested in, in doing something that might, protects another person from being killed. Mm. Um, and, and look, the book is a tragedy in the sense that Paula's life does not go well after this, mm. and she knows that. I mean, she talks later on about um, she's she's accepted that she's taken the wrongness of what she's done inside herself and that that's, she's forever kind of maybe damage is not right. She, she will forever be a wrong person. Yeah. But good things have come from it, and, and she's kind of, in a way, sacrificed her sanity and her moral peace of mind to do this.
0: Yeah, and, and again, um, I have to compliment you, Deborah, because I, 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 I like the way that that is left, and I'm not going to discuss the ending, but, but there isn't any sense that, oh, well, it's all okay that that it didn't matter. Yeah, um, that, I agree. That, you know, it's oh well, um, everything goes back to being sunshine and roses um, because you are you re- you really are left with with the feeling that this is going to impact on Paula
1: forever. I agree. I agree that there is consequence to <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With some domestic violence, and particularly also in Australia, it is such a big problem, and it can come in so many different ways and i think in your story you've illuminated um some three different scenarios of how it can play out in a family home how much research did you have to put into that to be able to create um an authentic stories for the three main incidences
2: so i talked a lot to doctors including my sister um because i should say this book is not written from the point of view of a victim because, yep. I mean, there are victim characters and I hope I've drawn them fairly well. But the point of view is very much from the position that I'm in, which is, the, and that most of us are in, which is the anguished observers. So the main characters are the anguished observers who feel they need to do something.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. So, um, so I, I, and I tried to talk to people who were in that position. So I talked to doctors, I talked to criminal lawyers. Uh, a friend of mine who's a magistrate and a former coroner was incredibly helpful um, read the book for me, um, talked to me a lot about the story and then read the book for me to check I hadn't got stuff wrong. Um, I've got a friend who's um, uh, a social worker in child protection. So I had a whole – it's one of the good gray. If you're a writer, you have to make sure you've got friends who who have actual skills and knowledge <laughs> of the real world. Um, <laughs> there's – there's, there's um, There's no end of resources. Um, There's Jess Hill's extraordinary book, See What You Made Me Do, which I would urge everyone in Australia to read. Yes, it's Um, brilliant. It's extraordinary. Um, uh, I mean, very distressing, but important to read. Mm. Um, There's lots of material, there's lots of great interviews and talks by women who've been in coercive controlling relationships that have eventually turned violent. So there's I mean, the sad thing is, there is no, there's no shortage of resources to draw on. Um, so my, my task was to make sure that I got the medical and legal stuff right. And the other thing I did actually, the other kind of, it's a kind of research I suppose, is that I, I ran some of the scenarios past my friends, my daughters-in-law, and said, this is the situation, what would you do, how would you feel, if someone did this, what would you think? Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of um it's a kind of research about what how people think about stuff. Okay. Even people that you think you know well, you ask them those questions and amazing things come out, you know. Um so my daughter-in-laws, luckily, are readers. So um they um they um are very helpful to me.
0: <laughs> are they cri- are they critical readers?
2: Um, yeah, I mean they're mostly enthusiastic readers, but sometimes it's good when I'm working on a story to Storytell out loud to people. This is what I think is going to happen. What do you reckon? And I do that right from the beginning, and so I start getting a sense of what's going to make people intrigued, what's going to make them shut down. You know, like it's it, uh, it's a kind of an organic thing. I don't know how to explain it, but totally. with something as morally kind of volatile as this, okay. I felt I needed to do that. Um, yeah. Discuss- as well as all the kind of traditional research stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, how did you? I mean, again, I, I'm I'm intrigued in that. Um, you know, you you doing all of this research and talking to all of these people, it must really have fueled your own anguish and anger at the whole um, domestic violence situation. How did you manage to keep a level of of, of perspective and objectivity if you like in order to be able to write it into the novel without putting too much of Deborah's um um outrage into the book
1: yeah because it, it's funny because it, you read the book and there's a, it's so heavy but it is also light. like in a in a, it, it's you don't feel like you're you're a a, overwhelmed. being overwhelmed in a way you've
2: managed to Balancing. That's good. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it, oh, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're kind of two separate things, both yeah. of which I think are really interesting points. Just on the lightness thing, yeah. it was really important to me that that there be other beautiful forces in the book. So the friendship, the children. There's a love story. Um, there's lots of people who are working hard. To help and are decent, and I thought it was really important that because that's part of the world. I mean, I mean, the whole the truth is that there's all these. You know, I'm I've always had a mixture of 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 well, I've often had a mixture of comedy and drama. This this one doesn't have a lot of comedy in it, but but it's sort of the dark and the beautiful. Mm. Um, and and it was really important to be right from the beginning to get that balance as close. To try and get that balance oh, right. Yes. Um, so yes. I'm very glad that you felt that when you read it. Um, but to your question, um, Debbie, about um, you know how did I deal with it? Look, I'm quite an immersive writer. I mean, I often not just with this, but with everything I've ever written, I wind myself up into the emotional state that my character is in. So I'll march up and down the yeah, hall, and um, I'll, you can
0: you can see that. So, I mean, you can feel that, and, and I'll realizing.
2: cry. Now. But then there's always both things happening in your head at once. There's that kind of immersive emotional process. And then there's the kind of detached writer part of you that is thinking, okay, what's the best way to get this? And there were some scenes in the book where I got to vent Deborah a bit. I mean, mostly with Anita. I got to kind of, when she does, there's a couple of times when she blurts stuff out and that's, I think, what I feel and what I suspect a lot of people feel. And then sometimes when Paula does things, I got to channel some of my rage because this is an angry book Mm -hmm. i got to channel some of my rage into paula behaving in this quite methodical way and there's something there was something quite satisfying about that so it's just it's always it's always a um a a seesaw between your kind of instinctive emotional self and your logical writer self in anything that you do Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I mean, maybe this one was a bit more challenging because it was so yes. distressing.
0: Yeah. How many, how many times did you write it?
2: Um, do you know, this one This one I wrote relatively quickly and I think it was because once I had the premise, um, I, there was a momentum about it, there was a kind of mm-hmm. urgency that meant I wrote it. I mean, obviously I'd have, to, I'd have to go and do the research and get stuff right, but mm-hmm. I kind of charged through this one and um, and I had you know some really good notes from my publisher. Yes. Um, and I made some changes, but it kind of there was kind of a a force through the story that meant there wasn't a lot of room for movement.
1: You know, it had to go a certain way. You can feel that when you read it too. You definitely yeah. like I I read that this very very quickly. You, you there is you can sen- you can feel that sense of urgency when you're writing it as you're right, what you're talking about, you can yep. feel it through the book. There is a hmm. this like stampede of like, oh, I need to, but but not yeah. in a classical, not in a classic what we're talking before, not classic, in a modern binge way. It's different. You just have a, a different sense of urgency. Yeah. So, which goes back to the thriller. Yeah, oh, yeah which I guess goes yes, back to the thriller. thriller so there thriller. we go, <laughs> the very beginning. Mm. Um, I, love- I really liked how you spoke about that contrast though of, the the dark and the beautiful and and how you you illuminated that the friendship between Paula and Anita was a a really important part of creating that beautiful was that the relationship between Paula and Anita based on anybody or an experience or a friend you have or something?
2: Yeah, um, the friendship thing was always a big part of it right from the beginning for me. Um, um, I guess I'm a little bit Anita. Um, but it's 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 a bit like various friendships that I've had over the years. I, I really like I really like the chance to go into the kind of nuances and complexities of female friendship. you know that thing about there's little shifts in dependence and everyone gets assigned a certain role in the friendship. you know you're the sensible one, you're the impulsive one, you're the fun one, you're the you know um, and how. That can sometimes feel frustrating and limiting, and mm. and and in a way, in this story, the two women kind of flip roles mm-hmm. um, at a certain point. Um, so I wanted to talk about how all the, the sort of it's not dark stuff, but the kind of tense stuff that can go on between female friends. At the same time, as underneath that, there is this kind of rock solid, rock solid love and support and ability to laugh and. Um, yeah, so I I, um, I mean I kind of celebrate their friendship but I, I throw some hand grenades into it, you know, to see what will happen.
0: Mm. So uh, I bet so yeah. you said your sister was uh, or is, is a GP. Has her, she been, yeah. been besieged with people saying, oh, is Paula
2: based on you?
0: <laughs> no, no, Paula's not
2: based on me. I mean, no, I mean, she's no, not no. my sister. i hate to be right. My sister has never murdered anyone. I, oh, good, so. good. <laughs> no. She was quite worried. She read. She also very helpfully read the book for me to check that I got the medical stuff basically right. And she said, "I'm a bit worried that people will think I've killed." <laughs> I, said, oh. I think. I think she's probably <laughs> safe. Yeah.
1: But I think what an important thing you did, Deborah, is um, you also you also um, spoke about that the fact that you know, not all men and not all relationships can be negative as well, because I think that's really important. I mean, although unfortunately the statistics are also that men can also be affected by domestic violence too. And even though this book is dealing with situations that are the women and children, I think it's also important to address that it's not only women that can be affected by domestic violence. And I think um, I wanted to the characters um that were testifying in the court case and um, vouching for the the victims good character and their friendships I wanted to s- sort of see if that was a um a, a, a sort of a marker to to suggest that males are also you know they can also be victims and they can also they, they can also be affected by domestic violence Look,
2: so, you know I I I've lived with a man for 40 years. I have sons who are very good adult men. I have a grandson now who's mm. the loveliest person on the planet. So, you know, I, and it was really important to me that not just, not just for balance, but also because it's part of the story of the world and, and, you know, there's, there's, like one of the bits in the book that always absolutely completely undoes me, <laughs> even mm. often, you know, it's the beautiful moment that, you know, when you're, when you're upset and someone is nice to you, that's always a bit that makes you tear up. So the bit that makes me tear up is, is uh, for people who haven't read the book, there's a big court story in the middle of the book and a woman about the, the murder of a woman called Kendra and Kendra's very dear friend is at the court case to, um, um, her her young gay guy best friend, and him he absolutely destroys because he's so beautiful and um, you know I mean I know he's a fictional character mm-hmm. but um, and 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 it's really important to me that the love story in the book which is between Anita and Rohan Mater who's a police detective is hopefully realistic and not sort of some sort of fairy tale but that it's tender and respectful and and sexy and. And all the ways a relationship can be between a man and a woman because it seems to me that if you put that alongside controlling, coercive, violent relationships, it only it only arguably increases your anger about the bad ones because mm. um, you're saying this is possible. There is no, you know, we don't have to have a, you know, we don't have to live a separatist life. Mm. Men and women can be gorgeous together. Let's try and find ways to make sure that happens more than more than it does. And I think so, I, I
0: think that's yeah. also demonstrated by um, um, uh, Paula's relationship with with her husband too. You know, Paula is genuinely grieving for yeah. uh, for the death of of, of of her husband. So you see you see how lovely. Um, and supportive that relationship was. And I guess that also then grounds the character of Paula, doesn't it, in terms of that it gives her credentials that she's not, you know, she's not a man-hater. We're not kind of going into, into but, the yeah, book yeah. with, you know, with some kind of agenda on her part.
2: Yes, absolutely. And that she's also got some unresolved grief. That of I course. think one of the issues for Paula is that she's got that mentality that I think a lot of GPs have, which is that, it's my job to fix people so that, and to look at the options, pick the best one, and go with it, even if it's not perfect. Mm. You know, that's a kind of very powerful mindset that comes from a good place. But that when she is derailed and she needs help herself and the fixing people involves killing someone, it, 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 it sort of comes back to biting mm. on the bum. You know? Yeah,
0: and I think that that's actually a common theme with with doctors. Not that they go on a murder, <laughs> not that they go on a murder people, but um, yeah. but you, but you but you're exactly right that they are so used to being in control, being looked up to mm. to, to to people looking to them for advice, and them having a very yeah. problem solving. Um, Rationale and, and way of behaving throughout life that that when things happen to them, um, mm-hmm. then you know particularly emotional things or or mental health then then yeah they don't actually have an armory to deal with to deal with that is really
2: right yeah yeah yes. they're
0: not used to being vulnerable in
1: that way
2: mm, exactly
1: mm. I, I'm interested to know why. I I feel like Paula has such strength, but you can you can see that she um you know she's going through this crazy whirlwind of emotions. I'm just interested to see like why you didn't introduce sort of like any family support for Paula or like extra extra padding for Paula to fall back onto.
2: It's a really good question. I I, I was quite careful to give to give her no connections other than Anita that would stop her doing what she's doing. Like I feel like if she had a partner or she had children, she her choice is costing people other than herself. Mm. Uh, Yes. I wanted it to be that she's got a sense of I'm a lone wolf. If I do this, I'm only costing myself. Um, I mean, as it turns out, she is also costing Anita because she um, inadvertently co-opts Anita into her, into what she's done without giving away the plot. She uses information that Anita's given her, so mm. morally she co-opts Anita um, without her permission. But, but the, I wanted it to be a sense that, like if she had children, for example, I would not forgive her for yes. destroying her life and therefore destroying the lives of her children. So I wanted to make it I wanted her to make to make her a kind of missile. Do you yes. know what I mean?
0: Yes.
2: So yeah. she's kinda of got nothing to lose. So
0: once she was primed, then then
2: yeah. yeah. I mean she has got things to lose in the sense that she's got her career to lose and she's yes. got her 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 sense of herself as a good, morally upright person, and she looks like she's gonna lose her best friend. But she's not you know, I always, I always worry about it in, in stories and in real life when people do these apparently noble, wild things, but their poor families paying the price. Yes. yes. So I kind of wanted to make it, I wanted to sort of clear the decks morally.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I, I just found her interesting because she didn't have that padding of support because obviously she's an extremely empathetic person and feels things really intensely. And she's got a lot of compassion for her patients, and it, I just found it interesting because usually people that have that sort of warmness and all of that stereotypically are close with family or have a bunch of support. So I found it really interesting that she had so much compassion and so much of this, but yet was still so isolated. And and I, I just want yeah, I just found remember that, that she
2: remember that she was with Remy for a long time. Yeah. Her, that's right to explain to people, Remy is her husband who's died about a year before yeah. the story began. So she was, I think, I mean, maybe I, sh- I, I wonder whether I should have gone into this in more detail in the book, but, that this is a woman who had her life all sorted. You know, she had her very good friend and other friends and she had her really great marriage. He then dies quite quickly. She's still kind of reeling yes. from that but throwing herself into work as many people do. And then her other good friend arrives yes. in 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 sort of extreme danger and needs somewhere to live. Mm. So then she's got the kind of the joy of those children living in her house and helping her friend get on her feet. So she's kind of just when she might have been dealing with I'm suddenly widowed, what am I going to do? She's got this other problem to deal with. Yes. Yeah. And 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 this other great sort of yeah. Emotional gift of these gorgeous children living in her house with her for six months. So it's all kind of quite fresh. Mm. So that um, she, so that she's not got her balance back before the murders happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and, and also, also and she cor- seems to be. And also of course, I mean she she actually did have her protective buffer. She did have, you know, her people. She she had Stacy and she had Anita yeah, yeah. and yes. she and you know and she had a husband. Yeah, that's so true. so exactly what you were saying, Deborah, you know, within a very short space of time, um, She's lost the pillars. She, she's actually, you know, lost a significant um, you know, two thirds of her support network.
2: At mm. point, all of them, you
0: yeah. know, yes. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, um, oh I do feel bad. I, now, I'm, now you make me feel oh, bad. i sorry. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I've made her suffer so much. Like, you do, feel, I do feel terrible that I've made my character suffer. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's... there's a famous quote from somebody that says, Your main character needs to suffer. And suffer, and then suffer some more. <laughs> and if you think about it, that's an awful lot of that's an awful that's lot, a of lot of suffering. suffering. Quite
1: a quite a number of suffering.
0: Now, um, now we've we, we have heard and we're very excited about this that you're actually writing the um, screenplay for the book. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah,
2: yes. Yeah. So um, a producer um, called Joanna Werner has bought the rights to the book and. We're working very much together and I've we've got a bit of funding for me to write. I've written the sort of script of the first episode. We, we're hoping it could be a kind of six-part mini-series miniseries um, um, with the potential to go on, I think. I mean, those of you who've got to the end of the book can see what I mean. Yes. Um, um, so we'll see. I mean, I've been you know, a television writer for 40 years now. So I I have no kind of um um rosy glasses about whether it the, the odds of something getting made. I mean, I, I would love it to get made. I'm gonna try my hardest, we'll yeah. see. you Brilliant. know, mm-hmm. Have you watched? Um, it's a fascinating process adapting your own novel. Yeah, I bet.
1: Um, yeah, can you can you tell us about that? Because I'm I'm really
0: intrigued. Um, because obviously you've you know you've worn several hats for a, for a, for a long time you know because of very yeah. multi-talented and you've been working in in in, in different fields What ha- is it is it odd to i mean how odd is it to write a screenplay screen adaptation of your own novel as opposed to <laughs> writing a, a screenplay from yeah.
2: To begin with, to begin with, I did a couple of brainstorming days with um, the producer and with um, uh, Michael Lucas, who was one of the main writers on Offspring and is a very, a dear friend and a very very clever writer. And just to kind of back back and forth, how we would break the story down and what storytelling techniques we would use, because obviously in novels you can have people just tell you the content of their thoughts. Whereas um, on screen you have to find other ways to convey things mm. and and, and we, talk, we talked about all the different devices that we might use.
1: Oh, that's Jenny um, Nina from Offspring who has a very clever way of telling you her thoughts.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This book has very much points of view. I mean, it, 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 you know, there's chunks from Paula's point of view and chunks from Anita's point of view. Yeah. And that's important in the story because Sometimes they know one thing that the other one doesn't know and so forth. Um, so, so it was actually really good fun to talk about how to do that. Um, and I found I was quite ruthless with the novelist, Deborah. Deborah the Screener was quite ruthless with the novelist, Deborah. And maybe I felt freer to do that because I know what I think is important yes. in the story and, and what, what can go. And I've already, in plotting it, concertined some events and swapped some events to make it work better on screen. screen. And I felt quite free to do that. Um, well, I, I wonder if I was adapting someone else's novel, where I would feel more kind of ooh, I have, ooh, oh, I must oh, I feel brilliant. more kind of protective well, well, and precious of the material. Well,
0: that's, that's interesting because but I would I'm have not. imagined it would have been it would have been yeah. the op- the opposite that yeah. you would have been far more protective of of your own your own books. That's really that's really well, interesting. maybe there are things.
2: Maybe there. Are, I mean, let's see what happens when it gets out there into yeah. the marketplace, and people people might accuse me of being too, clinging to things in the book that I shouldn't. But but. So far I've, I've made some changes to the plot, I mean, not the essence of it, but, mm. you know, just to make it work and um, we'll see.
0: It's right. well, <laughs> it, it, um, very exciting.
2: It falls quite naturally into the parts, you know, there's kind of real cliffhangers at the end of every episode and um, um, I mean I think what's really important to me is that if it becomes a television series that it not, you know, so much television drama at the moment is very kind of goosed up. And you know, and, and it's got to be you know. There's, I, I, I don't want to lose all the stuff in the book about the friendships and the quieter moments between people. Mm. Um, and, and I hope that the television process doesn't push it down that path.
0: No, because mm. no, because it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, from our from my perspective, it shouldn't because that you know, if it was just a thriller about domestic violence then um it would not be the book that it is because you do you do
1: have that balance you have those moments of darkness and there's an end of light. there's a series that's out um fairly recently and I wonder if you've watched it because the relationship between um the 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 main character and her best friend I I'm Drew so much reference when I was reading your book. Um, I think it's called The Flight Attendant, or um, it's about a flight attendant. It's on binge.
2: She wakes up with a dead body, and yes. The- yes, I watched a bit of it. It's kind of quite, yeah, quite yeah, like, that's sort of wild one. and interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the and the the best friend is a lawyer that's trying to help. And and I feel like you see a, a very similar. Re- uh, obviously, you know the the flight attendant. They're different people, but their relationship is somewhat similar, and how it. Switches and changes as well. So I wondered if have you seen it? I
2: might um I might um I might watch some more of it now that you said that. Yeah, That's it's really
1: intriguing. good. It, <laughs> it um I feel like it would be a good. I mean, I'm I'm not telling yeah, you. how to do a job, job. But <laughs> 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 she's a newbie. New,
2: she hasn't been doing it no, long. She's never done yeah,
0: <laughs> whatever.
1: Whatever. Um, but but um I I I, I do feel <laughs> like their their relationship um elements of their relationship in the way and the, even just like dialogue between the two of them or su- subtle nuances that I reckon would be yeah there was just similarity so I reckon that would be mm. interesting to yeah. observe yeah. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so um
0: Deborah I think I think important thing to ask you is actually coming back to to the novel to the family doctor is what? what do you hope or that, that that your readers will take away from the book is there some message is there, it how do you how would you like people to respond to your
2: novel well i suppose there isn't one single message that you could write in a sort of manifesto because uh, the great thing about fiction is that it you know yeah. it, it it's embedded in the, the, the particular details and the sort of flesh of particular characters. I I always want a reader or a viewer to care about the characters as much as I do. Um, um, even if you disapprove of things they do, I hope that people understand why they do them and care about what happens to them. Um, I, I hope that it gives... Some people a way to soak up some of their rage, and and ponder not that we need to be reminded of it. But maybe ponder the difficulties of finding solutions sometimes for women. I mean, I, um, I mean, without telling the story, the Rochelle character is in a very particular situation. There is not an easy solution for her, yeah. and I suppose I want to remind people about that. Um, mm. And not, the, I think, at the moment. So many women are so alert to this stuff, <laughs> maybe my novel is not necessary because everyone's feeling so angry and attuned and wanting change. So um, I hope um, uh, I, I hope my book is a tiny contribution to that process. Um, I really like the idea that people would feel um, compelled by the moral dilemmas in it, you know, that, that, that people would feel, that a reader would feel, I wonder what I would do I wonder if would I do what Paula does if I'm Anita. What would I think was going on? What would I do once I worked it out? Would I would I be able to go on and having my relationship with my gorgeous homicide detective yes. if I knew what was going on? That that I, I I like the idea that people might might wrestle with those dilemmas and talk about it with their friends in a way that would be fascinating for people um, yeah. um, it's always for me got to be about a, a, a kind of emotional moral journey um, but still intelligent you know like like I'm not suggesting it's some sort of you know you you check your mind at the door I hope it's kind of all I like to take people on a big journey. I don't particularly want to kind of show off how clever I am and how I can write with big words. Um, I try to keep the writing as spare as I can, mm. but I'm trying to make you feel things and think things and wonder things.
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah.
2: Well,
0: from mm. well, my perspective, you've certainly achieved that. So, mm. um,
2: oh, that's wow. so, so nice. No, it? you know, it's so weird with a book where you write it and it's then going through the process for so long and finally it's out in the world you know and you don't know how people so to hear Mm -hmm. that people um yeah um engage with the book in that way is yeah no
1: I I think you've done it so well and and those I mean you've you've really looked at quite complex and thing like themes and issues you know um how you know tossing up the idea of where do we draw the line as a human as human beings and Looking at this huge umbrella of domestic violence and making it relatable and um, you can feel emotion to it, so I, I think you've really succeeded in that. Because, and I think that is the beauty of fiction too, is that you are able to, like we said earlier in the episode, yes, yeah, be able to explore yes. avenues in your mind that you. Potentially, probably wouldn't have otherwise. And not worry about
2: defaming anyone. Yeah, yes.
1: or, or being overwhelmed yes. by such a big topic, as you've said, filled with yes, anger
2: absolutely. or. Um, yes, I mean, that's yeah. right. I mean, yes. this is only one aspect of this topic. You Correct. know, I was asked a question the yes. other night at an event about, you know, what about all these men and how should we be helping them and making sure they don't have these problems that mean they hurt women? And I think that's absolutely legitimate line of inquiry. Not the subject matter of this, book. Oh, this particular, you know? this particular <laughs> Correct. book.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. beautifully done, Deborah. So thank you so much for um, gifting us this beautiful book. That we thank are you able. very much. And
0: and it's a perfect book club book, as you said. I mean, um, I didn't want to interrupt you, but but, but um, you know, your hope that people will actually discuss the book and discuss it with with other people. Um, and compare. Well, what would you do? How did you feel about it? So, so in that, it's a, yeah. it's a overwhelming success. Big and tick. Thank, oh, thank big you tick so for much. much. Oh,
1: thank you very much. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Deborah. Well, that's it for art from us. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Us.
2: Very good questions, can I say? Not meaning to be sucky. Oh, thank Not you. Very, <laughs> oh, thank good you. <laughs> Very good answers. That's Very nice. good answers too. <laughs> so, we've, we've loved talking
0: to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, we shall so look forward to seeing the family doctor on the TV soon. I hope so. Hopefully. <laughs>
1: Definitely. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks Deborah. Bye. 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 That was a good chat. That was a great chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Deborah. We really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, I felt like a lot of our questions were answered, and um, you really brought up quite a few and we got to see inside your amazing brain brain. so (laughs) thank you so much for chatting to us um again you know fiction is this beautiful beautiful way of being able to Explore. explore such huge huge overwhelming topics um to look at things not as statistics but to be able to empathize with people and to be able to understand that these incidences unfortunately can happen often and they um you can get a little bit more perspective onto how that might feel and how that might... Yeah,
0: by putting yourself in in, 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 their, the, in their place. Yeah, so
1: very, very well done, Deborah. So thank you very, very much. Um, all right, second book for April.
0: Okay. What, so, what have we got? What we got? Our second book for April is called The Lamplighters by Emma Stonex. Now, Emma is a UK-based author um, and this is a lighthouse story. Um, It's based on a real incident, although it's largely fictional, that in 1972, um, the three keepers of a lighthouse standing off the coast of Cornwall in England disappeared, completely and utterly disappeared. One minute they were there, the next day they were gone. The lighthouse is completely inaccessible except by boat. There was nowhere for them to have gone, but yet they disappeared. So this book starts in 1972 with that disappearance and then skips forward 20 years where the mystery is still unresolved and an author is writing about the incident and he goes to talk To the widows of each of the three men to try and work out what happened. And so we hear about them, we hear about their relationships with each other, and try to put together what might possibly have happened.
2: Mm,
1: Awesome, guys. So thank you again for listening. Um, We love that you're a part of our book club and that you read along with us. We adore all of you, and we're looking forward to chatting to you very soon. Happy
0: reading. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find us on
1: Instagram at bothsides.bookclub. We'll see you soon.